CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Saylor has said over and over that the fierceness of the so-called cyber hornets protecting the Bitcoin ethos is what drew him in. If censorship resistance can be so easily compromised, why not 21 million? I think it's a reasonable question to ask, and I have no doubt that the Bitcoin community is not going to roll over and let something as integral as censorship resistance go to the wayside just for the sake of some more institutional money and banks falling in. Welcome back to The Breakdown with me, NLW. It's a daily podcast on macro, Bitcoin, and the big picture power shifts remaking our world. The Breakdown is sponsored by Crypto.com, Nexo.io, and Level and produced and distributed by Coindesk. What's going on, guys? It is Tuesday, December 8th, and today we are talking about MicroStrategy back on it again, raising another $400 million to buy Bitcoin. Is this a de facto Bitcoin ETF? First up, however, let's do the brief. First on the brief today, BBVA is launching crypto trading. So BBVA is Spain's second largest bank. They're an extremely well-known global brand. Two people familiar with the bank's plans say they intend to begin offering crypto trading and custody within the month. Now, this is a bank that has $840 billion in assets, so this is not a small deal. Their crypto offerings will be regulated out of Switzerland, but the initiative should be available to Europeans across the continent. Importantly, when asked, it's not just about digital assets or tokenized securities. This is about cryptocurrency specifically. Next up on the brief today, Bitcoin makes an appearance on Wells Fargo's most recent investor memo. The Wells Fargo Investment Institute released their most recent memo yesterday and includes one full page on Bitcoin. It's a short page, so let's actually just read what they had to say. 2020 has been a wild and crazy year, so it is only fitting that the best-performing asset group in 2020 has the craziest-sounding names. Cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin, the largest cryptocurrency, is up 170% this year. That's on top of the 90% gain it had in 2019. If you feel left out of the craziness, don't. Most investors have heard of cryptocurrencies, but few have ever bought or used one. They attract lots of attention, but not necessarily lots of investment money. The entire cryptocurrency market is worth roughly $560 billion which is about one-fourth the size of the S&P technology company with the largest market capitalization. And if you feel left out of the gains, don't. The chart highlights that Bitcoin has indeed outperformed gold in the S&P 500 index over the last three years, but look at the volatility journey Bitcoin investors had to endure to get there. Up until only two months ago, three-year total returns were pretty much the same along the three assets, but volatility differed. Cryptocurrency investing today is a bit like living in the early days of the 1850s gold rush, which involved more speculating than investing. Cryptocurrencies could become investment-worthy one day, though. 
Over the past 12 years, they have risen from literally nothing to $560 billion in market capitalization. Fads don't typically last 12 years. There are good reasons for this, reasons that every investor should hear. As we roll into 2021, we will be discussing the digital asset space more, its upside and downside. So first of all, the speculation versus investment thing continues to be one of the silliest distinctions I've ever heard. We can hem and haw all we want about what they mean and why they're different, but the reality is is that for a very long period of human history, speculation was just the name of investment. It's making a bet on a thing that might come to fruition or might not. That's what speculation is. That's what investing is. So I think it's a silly, save face kind of terminology that I would love to see just removed from our lexicon. More importantly than that, however, is the fact that although this is hardly a ringing endorsement, it's a very clear testament to the idea that this is now an asset class that is unignorable. It doesn't matter so much that Wells Fargo isn't putting a big fat buy sticker on Bitcoin. What matters is that in this investment memo, they felt like they really couldn't not discuss it. And that line, fads don't typically last 12 years, it's a hell of a line. Finally on the brief today, Square's Bitcoin clean energy investment. So what happened? One of the biggest remaining critiques of Bitcoin has to do with its energy footprint, and there are of course a lot of refutations of this, including many that are about just us as a society being able to choose what we allocate our scarce resources to. However, I think that regardless of your critique, it's likely to get louder, this drum is likely to get louder in the coming years alongside increased climate change focus. So for my money, what I'm interested in in terms of refutation is not focused on, well, we get to choose what we spend our energy on, but instead pointing to the strategies that are allowing us and creating financial incentive to go capture energy that might otherwise be lost. Marty Bent from Great American Mining has been on the show talking about exactly that. Square adds some clout to the argument today that Bitcoin can be a force for better, cleaner energy when it announced its plans to be net zero carbon for operations by 2030. As part of that, they launched a clean energy investment initiative to help make the Bitcoin supply chain greener. Here's what the press release said. Bitcoin is a unique part of Square's footprint as the company purchases the cryptocurrency on behalf of Cash App customers. The new Bitcoin clean energy investment initiative will support companies working on green energy technologies within Bitcoin mining and aims to accelerate its transition to clean power rather than only removing the carbon for the Bitcoin that Square processes. The company intends to reinvest any of its gains from the investment back into the initiative and is exploring the possibility of opening this initiative up for participation by a consortium of like-minded companies in order to amplify the impact. Said Square co-founder and CEO Jack Dorsey, quote, We believe that cryptocurrency will eventually be powered completely by clean power, eliminating its carbon footprint and driving adoption of renewables globally. Published estimates indicate Bitcoin already consumes a significant amount of clean energy, and we hope that Square's investment initiative will accelerate this conversion to renewable energy. As part of this effort, Square has dedicated $10 to this initiative, and I think this is a hugely significant step. It addresses one of the biggest sources of FUD, it's just the right thing to do, and I think it creates a platform for other companies to get involved in similar activity as well. This episode is brought to you by Crypto.com the crypto super app that lets you buy, earn, and spend crypto all in one place and earn up to 8.5% per year on your Bitcoin. Download the Crypto.com app now to see the interest rates you could be earning on BTC and more than 20 other coins. Once in the app, you can apply for the Crypto.com metal card, which pays you up to 8% cash back instantly on all purchases. Reserve yours in the Crypto.com app today. 
Looking for the best way to stay on top of your investment game? Nexo.io has you covered in three easy steps with their high-yield savings account for digital assets. Step one, create an account at Nexo.io. Step two, transfer assets to your secure Nexo wallet with no minimum or maximum limits on funds deposited. Step three, sit back, relax, and earn up to 10% compounding interest paid out daily on your crypto and fiat. Your passive income made simple. Get started at Nexo.io. Hey guys, I'm excited to share that this week we have a special product launch sponsor. Level is a revolutionary new Bitcoin exchange with no trading fees and no hidden spreads. With the free Level mobile app, you can trade Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ether, hodl your coins in a secure multi-signature wallet, and spend cash from your crypto with a debit card. Level checking accounts are FDIC insured up to $250,000. And Coindesk has partnered with the new exchange to give our listeners a free month of premium service. So when you sign up, use the promo code Coindesk or just visit level.co slash Coindesk. That's lvl.co slash Coindesk to get started today. Let's shift to our main discussion. Michael Saylor, the absolute madman, is at it again. Before we dive into this investment, I also want to go back to a conversation, a discussion a couple weeks ago between Andrew Edstrom and Preston Pish on the Swan Bitcoin signal. Let's listen to Andy talk about how, based on MicroStrategy's clean balance sheet, they could actually leverage some of this low-cost money to maybe buy even more Bitcoin. When I look at the business, I say, okay, you know, let's call it 30 to 50 million in cash flow. This business could easily support some debt, right? I don't see any reason why he couldn't go into the high-yield bond market raise a couple hundred million in bonds, do eight to 10 year maturity, right? So you're not you know, facing basically a, a repayment risk in the next few years, push it out a number of years. I'd be shocked if you can't raise money. You know, That would be a four times leverage roughly if you're, if you're saying cash flow is EBITDA, that's an approximation. But a four times levered company could easily service you know, 5% coupon debt. You know, That would be 200 million at 5%, that'd be 10 million bucks on interest expense. He's got 50 million or 30 to 50 million to play around with. He could come over the top, do a $200 million bond deal potentially and buy another 200 million of Bitcoin, right? And this is not impossible. I'm not saying he will do it. What I'm saying is the business could support more debt if he wanted to. Yeah, big time. That conversation would prove prophetic as yesterday on Monday at 5.05 p.m., Michael Saylor tweeted a link to MicroStrategy's investor relations page with this headline, MicroStrategy announces proposed private offering of 400 million of convertible senior notes. The first part of that page is a whole lot of details, the interest, the maturation, the convertibility, etc. And then there was this sweet little line, MicroStrategy intends to invest the net proceeds from the sale of the notes in Bitcoin in accordance with its Treasury Reserve policy pending the identification of working capital needs and other general corporate purposes. Of course, this went off like a bomb. Joe Mack tweets, if MicroStrategy succeeds, it may open the floodgates for other publicly traded companies to do the same. Dilution Proof points out that, quote, MicroStrategy is essentially doing a speculative attack here, doing exactly what Pierre Richard described here in July 2014. He then links to a piece by Pierre Richard where, The main thrust is the idea of borrowing money in a fiat to put it into Bitcoin. Tahini's, the little shawarma restaurant out of Canada, says, 
how to make our 100% allocation feel short with a link to the piece from MicroStrategy. Of course, they're referring to the fact that all of a sudden MicroStrategy is going to have more than a 100% allocation to Bitcoin because they're going out to sell more to it. Ellie Frost actually wrote through some of the mechanics of this type of convertible bond. So she writes, Okay, Bitcoiners, here's a quick 101 on convertible bonds from a former evil banker. A convert bond starts as a bond and then converts to equity. Pay lower interest to investors because it can be equity later. It's cheap now, especially now, but you'll pay later with equity dilution. Usually there's bad credit or expected high growth. So why do investors like it? Protection. The stock goes down, you still have the value of your bond. If the stock goes up, then you convert. But most converts are callable, aka they'll force a conversion if the price is greater than the price of the bond. Basically, it is downside protection with a profit cap versus owning straight equity. Tesla is famous for this. The street thought Elon was absolutely nuts for insisting on raising convert after convert as he believed in his growth. They've recently STFU for the same reason. Turning to MicroStrategy, they have essentially no debt, no RCF or term loan. Their biggest liability are leases. They've consistently made stock repurchases, $530 million in fiscal year 19, and already approved $800 million to repurchase by April 2023. They're prepped for dilution. TLDR, rates are super low and a convert fits MSTR's debt profile. But this is a massive bet on Bitcoin and aligns the company's future with it. If Bitcoin continues to pump, the stock price will go up and they are set. If not, don't ask Sailor for an Xmas gift, he's got other shit to pay off. Still, easily the most common comment theme was about ETF comparisons. The Blocks Frank Chaparro says MicroStrategy literally becoming the Bitcoin ETF the SEC won't allow. Willy Wu says MicroStrategy stock is about to mimic a leveraged long instrument on BTC. 2x long Bitcoin ETF masterfully played. Tom Shaughnessy, incredible, a Bitcoin ETF for traditional investors. Tushar Jane, Sailor is going to single-handedly force the SEC to list a Bitcoin ETF. Feels like a Bitcoin ETF is imminent now. The idea here is that people want an ETF so that we can allow people to get exposure to Bitcoin through traditional investment instruments like retirement accounts. Right now, you can't have your Roth IRA buy into Bitcoin directly. This is part of why Grayscale has been such a huge force in the space. Their Grayscale Bitcoin Trust is because many of those types of traditional instruments can interact with Grayscale. This effectively allows the MSTR stock to play some type of similar role, although of course it's less correlated than GBTC, for example. One of the big questions is will this be allowed? Hasu writes, genuinely begs the question though if the SEC will tolerate this kind of regulatory arbitrage or if they will step in at some point. That remains to be seen, but I do want to point out that this isn't the only discussion of microstrategy we've had lately. Elaine O spoke with Michael Saylor for the Bitcoin Times, and the lead quote is this, Stop talking about regulatory arbitrage. Censorship resistance, privacy, and tax evasion are bad ideas. We hate that. What? Obviously, this got a lot of commentary as well. Hodlinat says, It's cool that MicroStrategy accumulates a lot of Bitcoin, but Michael Saylor can be damn sure Bitcoin won't start bending the knee. Mr. Hoddle said, As of right now, I've been on the sidelines just watching mostly. Bitcoin doesn't work without censorship resistance. If you don't like censorship resistance, then you should probably sell all your Bitcoin back to the market, or just deal with it. Alex B. says, Michael Saylor claims, quote, institutional investors don't like regulatory arbitrage or censorship resistance. 
I wonder what Argentinian institutional investors are thinking right now. And he tweeted a link to a new wealth tax that is designed to seize assets from Argentina's wealthy in the face of COVID-19 crises. But what about Elaine's further take? So she writes, The conversation began with a huge letdown. I had asked Michael Saylor what could motivate greater institutional investment in Bitcoin. After all, if Bitcoin is going to the moon, we're going to need a lot of deep pockets to climb on board. Quote, people with billions of dollars don't want to invest in crypto networks that support anarchists, Saylor explained. And then I want to fast forward to the end of her piece, which kind of has this open-ended question to it. It's a catch-22. If Bitcoin is to become a sovereign money, it needs to spread to every corner of the earth. In order to spread to every corner of the earth, it can't storm out of the gate screaming about crypto anarchy. Square and PayPal integrations don't need to be the end game, but they'll help us get there. This doesn't mean that developers shouldn't continue to improve privacy and censorship resistance. It just needn't feature in an investor prospectus. After all, wealth managers don't go off about the military's nuclear arsenal when considering a purchase of treasury bonds. It's a testament to Bitcoin's technological success that unforgeable costliness and network resilience are now taken for granted. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, as they say. What about the cypherpunk manifesto, the one where we arise and cast off our barbed wire fences? For the diehard crypto anarchists, institutional money may seem anathema. It's not necessarily a bad thing, according to Saylor. Quote, if Bitcoin goes up by a factor of 10, these early hodlers are all going to be insanely rich. They can use their monetary energy to invent stuff and make the world a better place. Maybe it's a fact of life that anything cool and subversive is eventually co-opted by corporate interests, from punk rock to cypherpunk. There's a never-ending search for the next disruptive thing. We can either complain and rail against the inevitable, or shut up and take their money. From my perspective, this is the battle line. More institutional money is going to drive the price up like wild, and frankly, Saylor has opened up almost an entirely new category of treasuries to this space. MSTR's de facto ETF could also give people a type of exposure who couldn't otherwise get it. But there's also a pretty good chance that your values for Bitcoin don't comport to the values of this new set of market entrants. So what do you do? Fight for your values. Saylor has said over and over and over that the fierceness of the so-called cyber hornets protecting the Bitcoin ethos is what drew him in. If censorship resistance can be so easily compromised, why not 21 million? I think it's a reasonable question to ask, and I have no doubt that the Bitcoin community is not going to roll over and let something as integral as censorship resistance go to the wayside just for the sake of some more institutional money and banks falling in. What do you think, guys? Let me know on Twitter. Let me know in the comments. As always, I appreciate you listening. I also appreciate all your ratings and reviews. They're making a huge difference. Please get out there and share a review if you have it. And until tomorrow, be safe and take care of each other. Peace.